It's good to see everyone here tonight. We're thankful for your presence as we continue our Lord's Day worship. You know, it's funny because I was talking to Reed this morning, and we were talking about this lift, and I said, he asked about the key to unlock it, and I said, only one time the entire time that I've been here have I gone, and it wasn't unlocked and ready to go, and then tonight it happened. So that's the way things go. Tonight we're going to be doing a character study from 2 Kings chapter 18. The character that we're going to study is Hezekiah. What comes to mind when I say Hezekiah? If not much, then you're going to love this great king because he is worthy of our admiration and our love because he is a terrific leader. Now, to put things in perspective, I put together this little chart that I think will help you. You remember that originally there was one kingdom of God's people, the nation of Israel, and they had three kings. First was King Saul, then King David, then King Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom took ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, there remained two tribes. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Now, you can see that I broke down the two kingdoms side by side here. The ones that are in red are bad kings. The ones that are in green are good kings. So if you look down the list, you can see that in the northern kingdom, every king they had from the very first to the last were bad kings. Jeroboam was the first one. He practiced idolatry, and every king after him practiced idolatry. And in 722 B.C., the Lord sent them into Assyrian captivity. Now, the southern kingdom is called Judah. Its first king is Rehoboam. He was a bad king, but you can see there is a mixture of good and bad kings. Eight of them were good. The 13th king of Judah is the one we're going to talk about tonight. His name is Hezekiah. You can see where uh, his finger is pointing is at his name. So that lets you see where he falls there. Right below his name, you can see that there is a king who is in yellow. That is because he started out as evil, King Manasseh, but at the end of his life, he actually repents. And so I didn't know whether to make him bad or good. He was mostly bad, but he repented, so I put him in yellow. All right, Hezekiah is the son of Ahaz, or sometimes, depending on the version, Ahaziah. His daddy is a really, really wicked king of Judah. Now, Hezekiah is the 13th king. He's 25 years old when he begins to reign. He reigns for 29 years. When Israel, that is the northern kingdom, he's in the southern kingdom, when Israel goes into Assyrian captivity, it is the sixth year of Hezekiah's reign. So I want you to just get this in your mind. Assyria comes from the north, and they attack the northern kingdom, and they haul them away. In the southern kingdom, he's been the king for six years, and Assyria is knocking on his door saying, you're next. We're going to take you next. That is the atmosphere in which he is serving as the king. Now, we're going to start tonight in 2 Kings chapter 18. I've got most of the text up here on the screen, but you can follow along if you like in the Bible. At the bottom of the screen here, you can see that I listed that this is also found in Isaiah 36 through 39 and 2 Chronicles 29 through 32. If someone wanted to get the whole story, there's some extra details there 
that some carry and the others don't. So we're going to do a lot of Bible reading tonight. 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, or Ahaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became the king, and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, that was places where they worshipped idols, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it, and they called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were any before him. He was the best of all of the kings, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. What we're going to do tonight is we are going to trace the 29 years of his reign through six points this evening. Here is the first point, and that is that Hezekiah had a wicked, wicked daddy. Now, this goes back to chapter 16 and verse 1. I want to introduce you to his daddy, King Ahaz. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord his father, of, of God, his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed, and he burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Now down to verse 18. And he removed the Sabbath pavilion which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. Then in verse number 20, he dies, and Hezekiah is going to take his place. Now, I want you to be impressed with Hezekiah's character, especially when you see where he comes from, because his daddy is wicked, wicked. Ahaz, his daddy, is going to go to the Assyrians, and it's about 732 is the year, and he is going to make a deal. That is, he says, we want to work with you. Now, the Assyrians are wanting to annex all of these different nations, and they want Israel, and they want Judah. They've basically already gotten Israel, but now they want Judah. And Ahaz is good with that. Ahaz thinks he is progressive. And so, in 722, he goes to Damascus, and he pledges his allegiance to the king of Assyria. Now, brethren, mind you, this is God's people, and the Assyrians are utterly idolatrous. But he is so infatuated with the glamour and the pomp and the prestige, and, you know, he wants to be inclusive, and he's kind of progressive in his thinking. And so, he signs allegiance to the king of Assyria, and to their false gods. And then he does something that is shocking. 
He really likes one of the Assyrian gods, and so he has a replica of it constructed, and he puts it in the temple of Jehovah God, the God of heaven. And the people of Judah, they just kind of go along with it. Now here's our question. How did Hezekiah turn out so good when he came from such a wicked daddy? There are two things that I think might play into this. One is that the prophet Isaiah seems to have a profound influence on Hezekiah and the things that he's going to go through. I think it's something in chapter, in, in, in chapter 16 we see something that's very interesting, and that is Hezekiah's daddy, Ahaz, the Bible says he made his son pass through the fire. Do you know what that means? Hezekiah's daddy sacrificed Hezekiah's brother to Molech. That is this false god, this idol god of the Assyrians. The Assyrians would sacrifice their children, their living children, and they would pass them through the fire. That is, they would put them in the fire until they were cooked and baked to death. Can you imagine what that sounded like to hear these little babies screaming as they are cooked to death in this fire? Now, I don't know how old Hezekiah was when this thing happened, but think what this would be like for a minute. This happened to his brother. Now, he's got the influence of Isaiah, and then he's got this that happened to his brother. Maybe those things played in onto him saying, we're not going to have any more of this. First point, Hezekiah had a wicked daddy. The second point is Hezekiah has courage and he cleans up Judah. Hezekiah is going to take the nation on a completely different course. No more wickedness, no more idolatry, no more Assyrian gods. We are just going to follow Jehovah God. That's the kind of king that Hezekiah is going to be. Now, you know when a new president takes office, they talk a lot about his first 100 days and what kind of decisions he's going to make in the first 100 days. It doesn't take Hezekiah 100 days. The Bible notes 16 days. They crowned him as the king. He's 25 years old, and he hits the ground running. Second Chronicles chapter 19 tells us the things that he did. It says, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them. Then he brought in the priest and the Levites, and he gathered them in the east square, and he said to them, Hear me, Levites, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry out this rubbish from the holy place. That is, he says, get this garbage out of the temple of God. You've got to love this guy's courage. He is a leader. He says, for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They've turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord. They've turned their backs on Him. They've also shut up the doors of the vestibule. They've put out the lamps. They've not burned incense. They've not offered offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and He has given them into trouble, to desolation and jeering, as you, your see, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that His fierce wrath may turn away from us." That is, he said, because of this wickedness, you see what has happened to the nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to fix things. We're not going that way. All right? Verse 11. 
He says, my sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. Dropping down to verse 18. Then they went to King Hezekiah and they said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all of its articles, and the table of showbread with all of its articles. Moreover, the articles which King Ahaz in his reign cast aside in his transgression, that is, the things that your daddy threw out of the temple, we have prepared, we have sanctified, and there they are before the altar of the Lord. Verse 27, Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. It's been years since they heard this. With the trumpets, with the instruments of King David of Israel. So all the assembly worship, the singers sang, the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished the offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and they worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer, that is the prophet. So they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped. It has been a long, long time. It's been years because of the wickedness of his daddy. In 16 days, he cleaned up the temple, and the King James says all of it's rubbish, that is, he got that garbage out of there, and now he's going to return to the reality that there is one true God. But he's not finished yet. He's going to publish it. He sends messengers to carry word all over the kingdom. That is, we're returning to the true God. We've had enough of this nonsense. We are going to go the right way. Hezekiah pushed as hard as he could to get rid of the wickedness of his daddy. Here's point number three. Hezekiah does not give in to the intimidation and the pressure around him. The temple is repaired. He's made changes in Judah. Let's go a little further into history. The king of Assyria is pressing hard. The king of Assyria is named Sennacherib, and he is powerful. This king is defeating all the nations around Judah. And so it is the sixth year of Hezekiah's reign, and Sennacherib comes and defeats the northern kingdom. That butts right up against Hezekiah's kingdom. And he says, we've taken Israel. Now they're beating on the door of Judah, and they're saying, you're next. You're going to be our slaves. Well, there comes a day in which the representative of King Sennacherib, whose name is Rabshika, that's probably his position, but the Rabshika comes to the wall of Judah, that is Jerusalem, where Hezekiah is, and Rabshika is yelling. He's standing at the wall, and he's got his entourage, and he says this. He says, I have come to tell you that you just need to surrender to us, or else we're going to come, and we're going to utterly destroy you. Now, if you'll do this voluntarily, things will go smoothly. We'll make your life good. We'll take care of you. We'll give you horses. And if you don't, he says... It's going to be bad. In fact, uh, he says some things that involve some rather coarse language here. And the Rabshikeh mentions all the other nations that they have defeated. And he says, we destroyed all of these other nations, and they had gods just like you have a god. And then he mentions the northern kingdom. And he says, they have the same god that you have. And we beat your god already. And so your God is nothing. We've already beaten your God. 
But it wasn't that God was weak, because God let that happen to the northern kingdom. As a matter of fact, God used the Assyrians to punish the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, Sennacherib is camped just outside. He's got a big army. He's got 185,000 men in his army. Can you imagine what it looks like? Imagine the tents of 185,000 men. So Sennacherib sends Hezekiah a letter. I don't have it on the screen, but here it is. This is 2 Kings 19 and verse 10. No, I do have it on the screen. Here we go. 2 Kings 19 and verse 10. He says, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom your fathers have destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? And Hezekiah received the letter. That is, he sends a message and he says, don't think you're going to escape. Look at all these other kingdoms, and he starts listing them, and he says, we wiped out this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. Don't you think they had gods? We wiped them out. They are nothing. Don't sit back and think, oh, we're going to escape. He says, because you're not. Now, this is a critical moment. The Assyrians are at the gate. They've got 185,000 soldiers. Hezekiah does not have the military strength to defeat them. He's at a crossroads. Maybe this is a good time to listen to his daddy. Maybe he should cave. But that's not what he's going to do. He's going to have courage, and he's going to say, I don't care what our neighbors have done. I don't care what our brethren have done. We're going to do what's right. This is a great, great leader. Here is verse 14, and this is a glory moment. I want you to remember that faith honors God, and God honors faith. Here is verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, that is, on the uh, Ark of the Covenant, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the king of the Assyrians have laid waste to the nations and their lands. They have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Here is the reaction. He makes a speech. That is, God is going to make a speech. Hezekiah pleads, and he says, please don't let this happen to us. We'll follow you. You're the true God. God makes a speech. It's a long speech. I'm not going to give you the whole speech. It starts in chapter 19 and verse 22. I'm going to read you just the beginning and the ending of it for the sake of of time, the Lord begins and he responds to Hezekiah and he says, Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? He's talking to Assyria. That is, who do you think you are? 
that you have approached and blasphemed. I know your dwelling place. I know you're going out, you're coming in, and your rage against me, because your rage against me and your tumult have come to my ears. That is, I've heard of what you've done. I've heard of what you've said about me. Therefore, I will put a hook in your nose, and I will bridle your lips, and I will turn you back by the way that you came. The Lord said, you're not going to get away with it. So, how does this thing turn out? Still in chapter 19 and verse 35, And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord, I want you to get that, the angel, that is a singular angel, went out and he killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, they were corpses. That's interesting language, isn't it? When they woke up in the morning, they were dead. They were corpses. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, that is, the nobody can stop me king, he tucked tail and ran. He went home and he returned, the Bible says, and remained in Nineveh. And the next verse says that his own son ends up taking his life. His own son ends up killing him. And so what happened? The Lord sent one angel and killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Amazing. Here's the next point. Hezekiah begs for his life. Now, when you go to 2 Kings chapter 20, the Bible says, in those days Hezekiah was sick and he was near death. He's 36 years old. He gets very sick. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you will die and you are not going to live. Whatever he was sick with, the prophet goes to him and says, you're not going to survive this. Get your house in order. What does he mean when he says, set your house in order? It means whatever things you need to take care of, take care of it. What if you were to die tonight? What if the Lord said to you, you need to set your house in order? Do you have things that you need to take care of? Do you have things that you would have to do to set your house in order? Do you have people that maybe you need to apologize to? Do you have debts that you need to pay? Do you have sins that you need to repent of? Prayers that need to be said? If you knew you were going to die tonight, is there anything that you need to set straight? When I was a student at the Memphis School of Preaching, Brother Garland Elkins was one of our teachers, and Brother Elkins was a great, amazing preacher. He had probably more of the Bible memorized than any man I've ever known. Brother Elkins told us a story. He said one time he was flying on an airplane and he was going to speak somewhere and he looked in the back of the pocket on the airplane and there was a pornographic magazine. And he looked at it and he thought, oh man, I don't want a, a child or somebody to get a hold of that thing. And he was going to give it to the stewardess, but he was too embarrassed to hand it to her. So he said, well, I'll just put it in my briefcase and I'll throw it away when I get to the airport. So he put it in his briefcase, and then he said he got to thinking, what if the plane went down, or what if I died and someone found that in my briefcase? So he got his briefcase back out, and he put it back in the pocket, and then he got to thinking, i got to do something with this. So he called the uh, stewardess over, and he said to her, ma'am, I found this. Can you get rid of this? And what, what was the point? He wanted to make sure things were in order so that if he died, everything would be right. No one would think ill of him. Anyway, I'm way off the topic here, but he was told, get your house in order. All right, 
Verse number 2, Then he turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. Now let me stop here for just a minute. I want you to keep in mind, Hezekiah is 36 years old, and he's just been given a death sentence. And in his mind, it feels like an unfair death sentence, and so this is what he's going to pray. He says, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, and I've done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. It sounds kind of like he's bragging, but God doesn't take it that way. Hezekiah says, Lord, I have stood solidly. I turned things around. Please give me time. And in verse 4, the Bible says, And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him. So Isaiah comes and tells him, You're going to die. Isaiah leaves and he's going. And then Hezekiah begs the Lord. Before Isaiah's gone very far, the Lord sends him a message and says, go back. You've got to appreciate that because if you are condemned to die, you've got to appreciate that God answered his prayer immediately. And so he says, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now, there's several things going on here, and the first thing is this. I want you to realize that at this point, Hezekiah doesn't have a descendant to take the throne. Surely God's got that in mind when he mentions the promise to David. The second thing I want you to think about here is God adds 15 years to Hezekiah's life. The commentator Adam Clark says something very interesting in his commentary. He says, I'm not so sure if this was a great blessing or not. You say, why would that not be a great blessing? He got 15 years added to his life. Think about this. What if you knew that you were going to die in exactly 15 years? Would you enjoy your life between now and then? You know, we don't know if we've got 15 more hours, but the fact that I don't know is why I don't worry about it. It helps me. It's a blessing to me. If you knew that you had 15 years, would you celebrate your birthday? It'd be more like a countdown, wouldn't it? And I need to tell you something else about Hezekiah. He doesn't have an heir yet, but he's very soon going to have a son, and his son is going to be named Manasseh. And it's not good news. In fact, let me go back to... Oh, I thought I'd put another chart in there. Let me zoom back here because I want you to look at this chart. You see he's pointing at um, Hezekiah. Beneath him is Manasseh. That is his son. Manasseh is going to reign for 55 years. It is the longest that any king is going to reign. But Manasseh is not good. Now, Hezekiah's daddy is Ahaz. And Ahaz is a terribly wicked man. He loved idolatry. He sacrificed his own son, Hezekiah's brother, to a fake god. But during Hezekiah's 15-year extension, in the third year of his extension, Hezekiah is going to have a son. His name is Manasseh. Now let me go back forward here so that we can look about this. This is from 2 Kings 21 in verse 1. Let me tell you about Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became the king. 
and he reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. That is a long time. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he raised up altars for Baal. And he made a wooden image. Brethren, what's the point? Virtue is not genetic. Everything that his father had done to repair Israel, he's going to reverse it. It hurts your heart just to think about this. You know, I think we've kind of experienced some of this in our country in recent years. Verse number 6, And he also, now get this, he also made his son to pass through the fire, and he practiced soothsaying, and he used witchcraft, and he consulted spiritists and mediums, and he did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Don't you ever say, I must be right with God because my daddy was right with God. Don't ever say, my granddaddy donated the property that this building is built on, or my granddaddy was one of the greatest elders this church ever had. That's irrelevant. Hezekiah was the greatest king that Judah ever had. The Lord said he was the best, but his daddy was Ahaz and his son was Manasseh. All right, go back to the text we were in. Chapter 20 and verse 7 says, Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. And so they took and they laid it on the boil, and he recovered. From that sentence, we learn that whatever Hezekiah's problem was that was going to kill him, it related to a boil. That's all we know. He was going to die from it, but he is spared because of this. All right? Let me keep going. I know I'm getting long here. Next point, Hezekiah slips up and he messes up and his pride is going to get the best of him. I did this sermon intentionally tonight because of the sermon this morning. The sermon this morning was Pride Goes Before Destruction. And I taught, in fact, I entitled it that Pride is a Slippery Slide. Hezekiah is going to let his pride get the best of him. And he's going to brag. He's going to boast. There are two things about which Hezekiah could illegitimately boast. And you know, this is a real temptation even for the best of men. I didn't mention this morning, and, but I should have. 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 16 says, There are three categories into which all sin can be classified. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's this third one that is going to get this extraordinarily good king. There is a whole classification of sin that falls under the category, the pride of life. Now, here are two things that he might brag about. The first one is his military strength in Judah. Why would I say that? I want you to think about this. Assyria is slaughtering everybody. They come to Judah with 185,000 men, and Judah wins. Hezekiah, how do you do that? Don't you know the other nations wanted to know how he did that? How did you do that? You killed 185,000 men. You didn't even have much of an army. How did you do that? The second thing that he could brag about was his wealth. Now, this is from 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 27. It's on the screen. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, 
And he made for himself treasuries for silver and gold and precious stones and spices and for shields and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine and oil, stalls of all kinds of livestock and folds for flocks. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much property." This same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon, and he brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. And look at the next verse. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in his land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. And so what's going to happen is Hezekiah is going to do some bragging. This is what takes place. Some ambassadors, some people from Babylon show up to see Hezekiah. And they say, we are looking for the great king of Judah who killed 185,000 men and who is terribly uh, wealthy. And Hezekiah said, well, that would be me. Think about that. Is that very different from Moses who said, must we bring forth water from this rock? Not must God, but must we do that? That is God and, and me. Is this very different from David who numbered the people of Israel as if to say, we are powerful because we got a lot of people. Don't mess with us. It is easy for us to get caught up in this sort of thing. I mentioned this morning, Romans 12 and verse 3, that a man should not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 even Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure, I had a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I want you to think about this. What about a young man and a young woman, and they are both good looking, he's a handsome, tall, strong man, she is a beautiful young woman, they are talented, they are smart, they are educated, they've got everything going for them, and people tell them that all the time. Is that a blessing or is that a curse? Could, could that get the best of you? Could that be a stumbling block for you and cause you to lose your soul? What about this? What if you've got a good job? Maybe you've got a PhD, maybe you make a lot of money. Could that get the best of you? Could it sneak up on you before you know it and you start thinking pretty highly of yourself and your situation and, and it might change you? If I'm not careful, I can get to, to thinking that this is about me and I forget that without God's blessings, I am nothing. Is that a true or false statement? With that in mind, let's go to 2 Kings 12 and verse 20. At that time, Baradak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them. Now listen what Hezekiah does. And he showed them all of the house of his treasures, and his silver, and his gold, and his spices, and his precious ointment, and all of his armory, in which was found all of his treasures, there was nothing in his house or in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show to them. You know, flattery makes big fools out of little men. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah, and he said unto, the, said unto him, 
What did these men say and where did they come from? And so Hezekiah said, they came from a far country from Babylon. Does that ring a bell to you? They're eventually going to go into Babylonian captivity, and this is the beginning of it. He says, they came from Babylon, and he said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There is nothing among all of my treasures that I've not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons uh, who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs. This is the days of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They shall go into the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. That doesn't mean that he's happy about it or that it's pleasant. He means it's right. It, what you're saying is, is legit, legitimate. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's the point? Why did I tie these lessons together? Here is a man like Hezekiah who is so great, and yet the Bible says his pride brought him down. Here's the last point. I'm going to go through it quickly because I know I'm long. Hezekiah was not perfect. I'm going to wrap up with this thought. It's 2 Kings 18, 3 through 5. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. That is, the Lord said he was the best. There was none before him as good. There were none after him as good. Now, here's my point. Hezekiah made some mistakes in his life. But when God looked down at the life of Hezekiah, he deemed him the greatest king of Judah. He counted him as a righteous man. And brethren, I'm thankful for that because I too am going to make some mistakes. I've made some mistakes. I too have weaknesses. But I can be counted righteous in the sight of God. God can look at me and say, He is faithful. He is one of mine. He's walking in the light. And I will take Him home to heaven with me eternally. I appreciate your good attention tonight. It may be that we have someone here tonight who needs to obey the gospel. You need to know to be right with God. You need to obey the Lord by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Maybe you want to do that tonight. We are ready to assist you. Maybe you are here as a member of the Lord's body and you desire the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. We would be honored if we could go to God and assist you with that tonight. This evening, you need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Won't you come? Together we stand and sing the invitation song.